Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Daily Show. The Catholic Daily Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rhoda, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good, good. It's, it's good to be back on the show. You know, it's been two weeks or something. I missed last week. Was that last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, good to be back. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're happy to have you back. You know, <laughs> Father Eli was gone all last week you know, with that at the clergy conference. And so uh, we were just falling apart here. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was surprised to see that things were still standing when I got back. <laughs> I was quite relieved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, I'm sure you guys did fine without me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was slow. You know, I feel like whenever, uh, whenever, you know, the, the priest is gone, it just slows down. Sure. Which, uh, which, which is not bad every once in a while. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the, the clergy conference a yeah. little bit later. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, how, how, how are you doing? Are you, are you, uh, you feel like you're back into it? Good. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back in, back in the saddle, I guess. And I, yeah, I feel like things are moving along, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like we're in a good stride for the fall. I always kind of get into that mode where things are just kind of clipping along and I feel like we're at that place now where things are in place. So it's good. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like it's so hard to get things going, but then once you get things going, it's like, oh, now I just can you know, let go and things happen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, good, good. Uh, well, speaking of things going, uh, the things going on this week uh, was the, the first week of intro to Catholicism. Yeah, we had our first night on Tuesday. It was great. We had... Somebody told me we had 40 people there. I don't think it was 40. I'm, I'm thinking like 25, maybe 30. But anyway, it was a good crowd, a lot of new faces, a lot of people who are interested in becoming Catholic, so it's great to see. Um, and then some returning, some people who were confirmed and, and baptized and stuff last year who were there, so that was great to see those faces. And um, yeah, looking forward to another good year. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and you know, if, if somebody who's listening to this, I'm like, oh, I missed the first week. I can't go now. It's like, no, yeah, you, you come can, whenever you want. You can continue to show up. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad glad that's happening. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's a there. You said there's there's a wedding this weekend. A wedding this Saturday, um, and then a baptism on Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think that's all. That's out of the ordinary for this weekend that I'm aware of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, good, good. Um, well, yeah, so this week we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the clergy conference and, uh, you know, some of the takeaways and just how was, you know, Father Eli's experience there. Then we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, St. Teresa of Avila because uh, it was her feast day uh, Friday the 15th of October. So, uh, and she was, you know, she, she, she was quite a, a big player in the church. So we're going to talk a little bit about her and her legacy and what, what she gave the church as well. So uh, before we jump into this, Father, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the opportunity to uh, have this time to reflect, and we pray for our parishioners, um, especially any who uh, are in a challenging situation right now, that they would be blessed and, and guided by your providence and by your care. We ask our Mother to intercede for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, great. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we'll start off with uh, the clergy conference. So, so yeah, may, let's just begin with, like, how, how was it? How, yeah. was, how was the experience? Sure. And we'll, uh, maybe we'll go from there. Yeah, so for those who maybe aren't aware, the clergy conference is something that the clergy of the Duluth Diocese do. Most most dioceses have something like this where they gather for a few days throughout the year. Um, ours has traditionally been um, in the fall since I've been a priest. I know they've done it at different points historically, but I think for a long time it's been in the fall. So we've done, uh, we usually go somewhere like a resort or something like that where there's enough space to everybody to have their own place to sleep and so forth. Uh, a lot of times, most times, it's the active priests, the retired priests, and the deacons that go. This year, they just did the active priests, so it was a smaller group, um, but it was, it was good to get together because we hadn't been together. Last year, they didn't do it. Um, and the clergy conference is a kind of an opportunity not only to have social time and fellowship, but especially to maybe focus in on a topic or uh, usually there's a, an outside speaker that's brought in to present on some topic. And then there's also staff from the diocese that come and present on, um, you know, issues or things that are going on in, in, in the diocese. So um, that's pretty typical. This year, what we did is we just had time together as the priests, and then Bishop Felton was kind of the presenter. He's the one that kind of spoke to us and, and talked to us. So it was really good to get together. You know, we've, we've had a lot of priests uh, go on leave or, or leave the priesthood when Drew left the priesthood, so we had, we've had some struggles lately in, in our clergy and guys getting burnt out or having troubles. So it was really good to get together and just be able to talk and try to encourage one another and for a bishop to get to, to know us a little better and for us to get to know him better. So I think it was really healthy, good discussions, helpful conversations had, both formally and informally. The first day we got together and we all just kind of got in a group and had a few minutes to just kind of share with everybody how we're doing and what's going on in our life and what do we what do we see and and all that so that was really good um, and then the second day we focus more on maybe you've heard something about the synod uh, or the synodal synodal process that we're entering into so this is something that Pope Francis is asking the church to do um, that everybody would partake of this synod which uh, I think that's Part of the challenge is like, what is a synod? A synod is a meeting uh, where the church addresses some issue. And this synod is a synod on synodality. So it, it's kind of like, well, what a, a meeting about meetings or a meeting on why we meet? Or So I, in the, there's some new language that's kind of been discussed and like, what is a synodal church and all these kinds of things. And um, But I guess from our discussion, what came of it was there is a sense whereby um, the priests really want to um, focus on our diocese and understand how can we better serve the people of our diocese, how can we better do the mission of Christ in our diocese. Um, and we don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time asking people about things that maybe aren't that helpful. And so there was a little bit of discussion of like what's helpful for us right now where we are. And I think if because of everything going on, um, there's just so many things that could be talked about, but the I think the fact is we really wanted to 
uh, focus in on how do we do the mission um, with with our people, with our clergy, with with our circumstances right now in our diocese. And so I think that's what the focus will be. Um, Bishop Felton kind of made that clear that you know when he first presented, uh, he had somebody that he um, brought in who he wants to be kind of the head of the synodal process. And I think that's still going to happen. But I think he made the decision to kind of really focus more on our diocese rather than um, kind of using the material that Rome uh, is is offering. Not that the material is bad, but it is a little vague. And I think because it's so broad, you know, because it's for the whole church, the whole mm-hmm. church everywhere, and we felt like the questions that were asked were a little bit um, just kind of leading to a dead end in a sense, or maybe not giving a lot of clarity. If you ask a vague question, you're going to get a vague answer maybe. Yeah, or if you yeah. if you have a more particular question, you're going to get a clear answer. So there's, I guess there's good, good things and bad things about both. If you want to really just hear from everybody and anything that they want to say, then a broad question might be helpful. But if you want to really address particular issues, which is, I think, where we're at, um, it's helpful to uh, to speak a particular question. So maybe an example would be helpful. So one of the questions that they promoted was something like, um, what does it mean to journey together? And like this was presented as like, this is you would get people together, people who are maybe somewhat connected to a parish or maybe even involved in a parish, and you would ask them this question and see what they say. And we were kind of like, well, what does that what, what kind of answers is it, are you going to get, you know? And how are you going to use that answer to, to help you do something with it? So instead of just asking, what does it mean to journey together? Why not say something like, how are you doing with your relationship with Christ and his church? How, what is your relationship with Jesus? You know, tell us about that. That's a little bit more particular, a little bit more like we want to understand where people are and if they have left the church or are struggling with the church, maybe those would, come out more than this other question. So I don't know if that's helping to bring out the point, but um, that was the discussion on the second day of, of the conference is really try to, what are we going to do with this synodal process? Because the bishop was wanting to use that uh, to address our own concerns, but I think he's also feeling the pressure of like, you're supposed to do the synodal thing in your diocese, so can, mm-hmm. we, can we do them both together or do I need to do a separate process? And so I think it will be together, but more focused on the local level than on the universal level, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll see what comes of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the guy that presented, um, uh, some people might know him in Duluth, uh, Jiraki family. So this is Andrew Jiraki's the youngest boy, I think. So he's got a younger sister. But anyway, he's a fresh graduate, I think, from... Um, uh, Irish University uh, down in no, Indiana, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he is going to kind of head that up, that process up in our diocese. And um, so, yeah, I, I hope it's helpful to people. I hope it's helpful for the local church and the universal church. I hope um, that we don't just get bogged down and asking a bunch of questions that don't lead anywhere. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think that's the, the fear is that you do all this work and then it doesn't bear any fruit. So. Yeah. And what, what I guess, is the point of doing the like the synodal process? Yeah, for or, the whole church, or or like yeah, like f- coming from coming from from Rome 
yeah. like for 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 Father Francis, Pope, Pope Francis, Francis to yeah. to say, hey, we're gonna you know enter into this time yeah. of just maybe gathering information. Yeah, like what's is there like a like a purpose behind it, or is it like we're just in a, or, or I think there is. You know? I think that's the challenge, though. I think to the priests and maybe to some lay people too. I'm not sure those who are cued in. That's the question: is like where what are we trying to do with this? Um, because it's one thing to ask a bunch of questions, but then what are you hoping to do with it, or how how is that going to be helpful to us? And I think, from what I'm understanding, it seems like Pope Francis wants to reach out to maybe the people on the margins. People, I mean, that's often been his goals, right? To to reach out to the, the edges and and try to bring people into the church, or at least give them a voice, um, which is helpful. If if they want to be brought back into the church and we can help them come back to the church, but it might be unhelpful if if it's us just going to them and saying, "What do you want the church to look like?" Which, to some degree, that's kind of what the questions seem to to prompt, which can really set up a a conflict because now you're saying, "What do you want the church to look like? How can we change so that you can feel comfortable being in the church?" But there are things we can't change, right? We can't change her doctrines can't change her teachings, we can't change her liturgy, um, you know, for the most part there's things that are set in place. So if it's a question of how can we help you enter into what is the reality of the church, and how can we do a better job of that, those are helpful questions, those are helpful things to do. But if it's what do you not like about the church, there could be some helpful things there, or could there just be things like, well, sorry, we can't help you there, that, yeah. that doesn't change. Pick a card, any card. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. That's where the I think the conflict amongst our own presbyterate was is like we want to be open to this process. We want to do what the Holy Father is asking us to do, but we don't want to set people up for uh, something where they are disappointed by the process. You know, one of the things that was talked about, and I thought was a really good point. I can't remember if it was Father Brandon Moravitz or Father Mike Schmitz that said something like, "You know, we had." Vatican II, and it was a good thing. It was a good gathering of the church, but what was the fruit of it is that a lot of people were angry and frustrated because what they thought was going to change, or what they were told, what they were told might change, didn't change or hasn't changed. And so, uh, instead of you know entering into it and saying, "Okay, we understand that there's these." boundaries, they were kind of told, like, the sky's the limit sometimes. I mean, I don't think the church really said that, but that's kind of sometimes how people interpreted it or mm-hmm. thought it was going to go, like, oh, the council is just the beginning, and it's going to keep changing, we're going to keep changing the church. I mean, people are talking about, like, married clergy, um, women clergy, all these kind of things that um, never came about, and so people that kind of bought into all that were disenfranchised or upset with the church and are now outside of the church because they kind of fixated on these things. Or you could look at the whole like contraception thing, like mm-hmm. you know that was something that brought a lot of division in the church because people thought it was going to change and kind of banked on it being changed. And then when the church didn't change, people were upset and are still upset about that. So those are the kind of fears that we expressed as clergy. And uh, to be honest, I think there was some just like I don't want another thing to do. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think there was some resistance there, and Bishop Felton kind of responded to that. And I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know his internal thoughts, but I, th- I think 
he was just wanting to see how we responded. And then he kind of quickly came to the point where he said, well, okay, let's focus on the local level and what can we do to help the mission here? Because he really talked a lot about, he used the, used the language a lot of discipleship and raising up disciples and kind of a lot of things that we've been talking about in our own parishes of how to help people follow Jesus. How do we do that? Not in some kind of, uh, you know, way of be whatever you want, do whatever you want, but this is Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. How do we help people make that choice and, and come to that way of life? Um, so I, I was encouraged by it. Um, I felt like it was really helpful to hear his perspective and just get um, his thought. Uh, I know some of our, us on staff have read that book, um, Christendom to Apostolic Age, mm-hmm. um, put out by you, Mary. I think it was uh, Monsignor O'Shea, not O'Shea. Shea, James Shea. Shea, Shea, Shea yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who at least wrote some of it. Um, and um, so he kind of used that language and it, he maybe even referenced that book, I think. And so uh, for me, that was like, okay, he gets it. He's, uh, we're on the same page, at least in terms of what's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was reassuring. Um, then uh, what did we do after that? The third day was kind of focused on... Um, I think we were, again, kind of, how can we do this? What what can we do as, as a church, you know? Um, and he kind of shared with us his own, I think he called it the four movements of the Holy Spirit or the four motions of the Holy Spirit or something like that. Kind of he used his own experience of coming to our diocese and s- things that he kind of had to work through, like having trust that he was going to be accepted and, trust that he could leave everything behind and come here and start all over in a sense. Like if you think about, it, he's been a priest for 40 years in the diocese in green Bay. He's got to leave all his friends, all his family, all the people he knows and come to Duluth. Who he doesn't know anybody and start being the leader here, which kind of a big task, you know? Yeah. So he talked about his own experience of, you know, the resistance of like, I don't want to go. I don't want to start over. I don't, want to leave everything. Uh, and then the, kind of the acceptance of like, okay, you will give me what I need. You will provide what I need. And then um, kind of just um, talked about his, his experience of that. And so to me, again, it was a reassurance of here's a man who has perfectly gone through this process and is really trusting in God. And he even said, I think, if you haven't figured it out, I'm all about the Holy Spirit. So I really love the Holy Spirit. And so he uses that language a lot of listening to the Holy Spirit, discerning with the Holy Spirit, all that. So he, um, it, it's reassuring to see that he comes at it from a spiritual perspective a little bit instead of just of like, I've thought really hard about this and I have a plan, uh, but rather he's about how do we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to guide us into what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So... Anyway, I I was encouraged by the whole experience. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's good, and that's it's good to hear too. Um, yeah, that that he yeah, like has that viewpoint of like yeah, let's 
let's let's let ourselves like be guided instead of just like this is what we're gonna do mm-hmm. and and also too that he you know with like kind of presenting stuff to the priests and then like listen to be like okay yeah like i see where you're coming from and like let's uh like i understand your concerns and let's let's uh make that adjustment yeah yeah yeah, r- yeah rather than just being the like okay that's great but we're still gonna do yeah, <laughs> what yeah. i was told to do right? which i mean i was yeah. i was yeah i was thinking about it in my own experience of being a pastor um <laughs> you know so if i'm being honest i had a couple of meetings with people about the sanctuary renovation here at st lawrence and um you know there were small meetings there weren't a lot of people there so i kind of took that as a sign of like well either people don't care that much or they don't want to share or whatever. I mean, I was happy to hear from people, but at the end of the day, I was like, well, I don't feel like there's enough people saying, I don't like this. This is a bad thing that we shouldn't do it. And I feel like there's more people saying, let's do this. This is a great thing, but I got to give Bishop props. Cause if he was, I don't know how invested he was in that synodal process, the mm-hmm. way it was presented to him, but he let go of it pretty easily. And so I was kind of marveling at that a little bit. Like, you know, it'd be hard for me to just kind of say, "Okay, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna move forward on this," even though I've kind of invested a lot of time and energy in preparing for this. So, mm-hmm. I was impressed with with his ability to kind of make that shift. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. That seems like a yeah, like a like a a non like ego driven decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, were you able to like spend good time with? brother priests and stuff yeah yeah so the evenings are mostly open so you know get together um chat have some snacks have some drinks uh sure sure yeah there was a hot tub so i know some guys used the hot tub and it was beautiful weather so i know some guys went out looking at the stars in the evenings went for hikes i I don't know if anybody played golf or not there are some guys that like to golf but i don't know if anybody did I'd never been to Giants Ridge, but it's it's pretty. It's mm-hmm. a pretty area. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Th- I always think it's good when, and uh, like when all you guys are able to like get together, and especially with something like that, that's like productive in the sense that, uh, like, I mean, this was probably the first time that all the priests were like with the bishop for like an extended period of time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And been done in two years, so. And uh and so and you know, also it's like I don't know, it's like is like I'm just thinking to myself like is once a year and like for 3 days like enough? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and like do like I get like it. I mean, that's kind of hard to like pull all you guys away from like your parishes for, yeah. you know, multiple times, but it's like I don't know, it might be like worth it to yeah. <laughs> like do it more well, than we just typically do have a study day in the spring so that's one day or okay. one afternoon basically and then we have our clergy retreat which we do every other year it used to be every year but we just recently made the shift every other year so there's other times we get together but it's not the same way sure yeah so yeah, yeah i mean it's worth thinking about i guess but we do have other things like we have the deanery meetings and we have like i'm in a fraternity group so i meet once a month so yeah yeah th- it's not like we never get together but um, to get together all together is helpful. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, you don't want to have, you, you don't want it just to be another thing too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Good. Good. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, 
I'm or hoping it bears like, fruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fruit will, will come of it. And um, yeah, and I know you, you wrote a little bit about this too in the upcoming like bulletin yeah. too. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, glad that it, glad that it happened and that it was, you know, productive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the next, the other thing that we're going to talk about today is we're just going to, you know, uh, talk a little bit about St. Teresa of, of Avila. Uh, cause it is her feast day this Friday, uh, October 15th. And, uh, and yeah, she was just a really, uh, impactful person in the church. And, uh, I, I didn't know this until I looked it up. Uh, but, uh, but she was, uh, the first woman, uh, female doctor of the church. Hmm. I didn't know that either. Uh, that makes sense. So, which was just, uh, just 1970. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. I don't think there were too many doctors of the church for a long, long time. There was just the four. So like Augustine and Ambrose and Jerome and maybe Gregory the Great. I think mm-hmm. those were the four doctors of the church. It was sure. kind of like the gospel writers, the four gospel yeah, So yeah. there was like, and then at some point they decided, you know, let's have more doctors. And then they yeah. started being a lot more like, I don't know when the first, um, out of the, past the, f- the four, I don't know, like yeah. when they started making others, but... As of late, like I think John Paul II made quite a few, and Benedict did too. So, okay. So, but yeah, yeah she's a big, she's a big. Uh, and it's, when it regards to the spiritual life, she's definitely a big, big player. Like she and John on the Cross, I would say, are two of the greatest uh, mystics that the church has ever had in terms of their writings. So, there's probably been other people who are just as mystical, just as spiritual, etc. But we don't have their writings in the same way that they kind of. In a sense, dissected the spiritual life. Like her writings are very helpful in that regard. And she lived long enough. A lot of these mystics only live for a short amount of time. So, but she lived a fairly long life. Um, and her experience of the religious life even was a progression, right? So when she was first religious in Spain at the time. So this is during the Reformation, kind of Counter Reformation time. So it was. Um, a lot of things going on, but in Spain at the time, mysticism was kind of like a thing, I don't know. And a lot of big Catholic families would just send their daughters or their sons to the seminary or the convent just because, like, oh, you're the you're the fourth child. You, We don't need you. You can go off to the... I mean, it sounds bad, but that happened. So some of the convents, like the ones she lived in at first, there were a lot of women there who weren't necessarily there to be religious. They were just... That's where they their family sent them, and mm-hmm. um, so they had a lot of dowries, a lot of permission to do lots of different things. So it was kind of like a life of leisure rather than um, like a really committed house of prayer and so forth. And so Teresa led a reform of the Carmelites, and she and John of the Cross together kind of did that. And there was a lot of kickback. They got they got a lot of angry people because when people are told they have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially, especially go from going from like a life of comfort and luxury to a life of prayer and penance. Prayer and penance. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that. That's kind of a that's a very drastic change. Yeah, so. yeah. And you could see why they would resist because they didn't, in some sense, they didn't sign up for that. So they they came to these houses and they said, "This is what it's like. I'll I'll join this or I'll be here." And then somebody comes along and says, "No, we're going to take away all your nice things or your your comforts and." we're going to really dedicate ourselves to pursuing holiness and sanctity and 
prayer and penance is going to be a big part of that. Like, wow, that would be that would be challenging, you know. So, but um, it bore a lot of good fruit and and uh, renewal in the church, and so um, something that definitely was needed. And she was a big part of that. And I I can't remember how she came to that. If it was something that mystically the Lord told her, like you need to do this, mm-hmm. or if it's something that kind of was more slowly became evident. But yeah, yeah, yeah that was something that I was you know, doing some, some research on her and yeah. Cause she joined the Carmelites at 20 mm-hmm. at age 20. And it wasn't until it was like later in life. It was like, she was like 40 or yeah, something. It was like in her forties that she, and I think it was kind of more like more of God kind of gave her this like, like mandate sort of. Yeah. Kind of yeah. to like, <laughs> we need to get back on track here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, she kind of, uh, and I think right away when she got there, she was like, she kind of wanted to have more of the the like life of prayer, um, but then she kind of slowly got kind of bought into the the more leisurely, the, the leisure, mm-hmm. uh, leisurely kind of culture that was already there. Yeah. And then uh, in her forties, like the Lord kind of like brought her out of that, and she's like, okay, we gotta yeah get to work with this. So, uh, yeah, which you know that that, that that's kind of crazy to think about too, and. Um, this is a whole nother conversation, but how like religious orders have kind of come go in like ebbs and flows, yeah. uh, and seeing how like uh, when you know if if you enter the displaced Carmelites now, like that's intense, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, whereas like at one point, you know, it was like it was like oh have fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah, enjoy your life of leisure, yeah. yeah. I mean you're cloistered, so you can't go out, but mm-hmm. people can come in and you can. Yeah, it's just different. It's a different time, and and I think we don't really have anything like it to compare to in our day. Like we just can't even really imagine what what the transformation that she went through in her life. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she. I forget. Uh, you know, but she talks about somewhere in her writings about how for many years she hardly even prayed. Like it was just like she kind of got caught up in in this kind of lie of like i'm not good at praying or i'm not good at this and so i i shouldn't do this or whatever and but through the process of the lord speaking to her she really was able to plumb the depths of the spiritual life and then through that call others on to to really pursue holiness and so it was very very good but she has some uh, important books that kind of speak to her um teachings and so forth and i think that's why she's a doctor so there's the one i think it's called her life or something like this it's basically your autobiography there's the um seven ca- interior castles or whatever yeah, it's in, just in, got the seven yeah, mansions yep yep I, there's john Lee cross and she have similar sort of things so i can't i don't always remember which is which mm-hmm. but um yeah interior castle is her yeah, is hers yeah. yeah and uh there's some other ones i forget but you know her writings are very important mm-hmm. for uh Anybody who is serious about writing about the spiritual life will reference her and John of the Cross quite a bit. So yeah, and I I haven't read any of her writings. Uh, I've heard that they're pretty intense. Yeah, uh, and I know that there are some more like modern books that talk about their like spiritual like ideas, but in a more uh, maybe uh, entry friendly yes <laughs> yeah. way. When you read uh, when you read some of her stuff. It's easy to get lost in it all because it's kind of like a stream of conscience. It's you're kind of yeah. what what is going on here? What are we? What's the point? You know? Yeah. I'm a kind of a linear thinker, so I like you know draw me in, have it 
kind of follow in a logical way. That's not really her way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is probably not supposed to be. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. it's not. And, yeah. and, um, she's oftentimes just recounting her, her visions or her experiences of the Lord. And so, um, that's why it kind of takes that format, but, um, yeah, which which I guess I'm not how I don't know how familiar you are with like the seven mansions, but um, but this was something as I was just kind of like reading about her, uh, it was kind of kind of interesting because it was like looking at the like the interior castle, which is basically looking at like the soul, and then thinking that like there's seven mansions in this castle or yeah. seven doors or something like that, and it's like in each one is like like they're like inside of each other, mm-hmm. and it kind of keeps on going like deeper deeper like into the castle. And it kind of looks at like the soul too. So right. starting out f- off from like a more like um, basic level, and then like continually getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's and it's she's a a big saint when it comes to the spiritual life. So we we have a lot uh, owe her a lot, and thank the Lord that He worked through her. Yeah, she's one of the big the big kahunas when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's um. Uh, she, 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 she has a lot to offer too, mm-hmm. you know? So I think if that's, you know, something somebody's like thinking about, yeah. uh, she's definitely someone to go to, but maybe like a, yeah. like a, like a, not, 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 not a warning, but maybe like a PSA, like she's, she's like, deep. She's, she, yeah. <laughs> she is deep. So yeah. uh, I think, yeah. uh, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, who, um, she was a martyr during World War II. She was a Jewish convert to Catholicism. Um, she read, I think, her autobiography, Teresa's autobiography, and that like that was her conversion. Like she just read it in one night or something like this, and it just moved her so much. I mean, I think she was already discerning Catholicism, but when she read that, it was like so moving that she just said, "Okay, mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta convert." So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, enough that she you know took her name on. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. Um, yeah, just you know, just wanted to highlight uh, Saint Teresa a little bit. Um, it's kind of cool, you know, as we go through the year to like kind of bring us back to some of these saints of like, oh, you know, I haven't even, uh, you know, I haven't th- thought about her in a in a while, or you yeah. know, there's yeah. a, you know, as as the the calendar goes, we can kind of be brought back to uh, to to people which is which is great yeah so um great well yeah so that's gonna um be it for for this week's uh episode uh so thank you everyone for listening and uh thank you father eli for for being a part of it uh we hope you have a great rest of your day and we will catch you again next time